So does technology improve your relationships? Or does it make it worse? Or does it make them worse? Does technology improve your relationships? Or does it make them worse? What do you think? Everybody's saying worse. Um, so, you know, most people, I think we're, we're kind of aware of the worst, the worst sides of technology, maybe, but there might, some of you might be feeling like there's some benefits um, to technology. Well, ever since we started having things like Facebook and smartphones and texting, we've been asking ourselves the question, is this good for me or not? Because technology, it's changing the way we relate to each other isn't it? And when all this technology started invading our lives, people were discussing it. And they were arguing about the benefits and the problems of social media. And one of the things that they have blamed social media, things that they have blamed Facebook for, is for making our relationships shallow. Do you remember when Facebook came out and people started talking about this? They'd say, Facebook makes your relationship shallow. And then uh, some other people would say, no, Facebook just allows you to connect with more people that you wouldn't have connected with otherwise. And if, if your relationships are shallow to begin with, then that's why your relationships are shallow. And, and, and the discussion would go back and forth. Well, all of this is to say that nobody wants to have shallow relationships, Right? If you're on social media a lot and you're doing a lot of scroll, tap, tap, scroll, tap, tap, scroll, tap, tap, or maybe it's scroll, like, 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 scroll, scroll, like, like. Uh, you know, so even if you're not doing those things, you probably sometimes feel, man, I'm tired of doing this. I just wish I had someone to talk to. I wish I had some people in my life who knew the sort of struggles that I'm going through. I wish I had closer friends. I wish I had, I had some, some people in my life to go do something fun with. Something other than TV. Something other than, than uh, these games on my cell phone. Something other than the grind. Something other than this dry life that I have. I wish I had friends. And maybe you say, I wish I had, I, you know, I have friends. But I wish, I wish that they were deeper relationships. And if you're a Christian, you might be wishing you had some friends who were on board with you spiritually, people who who can connect with you on that spiritual level, who are going to enrich your life rather than friends who are just going to, you know, pressure you to do things that you don't feel comfortable doing when you're having fun with them. Well, today we're going to be talking about having deeper spiritual friendships because, because this is something we all want. And this is something God actually wants for you. And all of this is wrapped up in the best part of being in a church. Christian community and fellowship. Amen. It is the best part of this. So, so our main passage this morning is Acts 2, uh, verses 41 through 47. If you have a Bible, you can uh, turn there. Uh, but we're actually going to have the verses on the screen. So in this passage this morning, what we have is this guy who's basically gotten a bunch of the original people from the first church ever together. He's gotten them together, and he's basically said, all right, guys, tell me about the good old days. And uh, he said, what was it like when that, when that church, on those first few days of the church, when, you know, people were hearing about Jesus' death and his resurrection for the first time, and people were, people were coming to Christ for the first time, and, and, and people were receiving the forgiveness of their sins and and appreciating what that meant? 
What was it like? And then all these guys would have told all these crazy stories. They would have told told about how 3,000 people came to Christ in the first day. In one day. They would have said, well, we got together at so-and-so's house and we had this great pork or whatever, you know. And then they would have said, they would have said we went, we went to, over to Solomon's porch and, uh, and, and we, we worshiped there. We just went on and on. We worshiped for hours and it was great. And we got together and we shared meals and communion and we, we just, they would, go, they would have gone on and on. And so the guy, his name was Luke, he said, I can't write this all down, guys, so I'm just going to write a description of what it was like, and the feeling, the sort of things that you guys did. And here's what he wrote. The first church ever, the early days, this is what it was like. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. How about that? Every day someone was coming to Christ. I want to go to that church, right? Can you imagine the excitement of activity? You know, like getting together every day with your Christian buddies, worshiping and eating, and nobody being greedy with their money, and miracles and fun. Can you just imagine the atmosphere of what that would have been like? Every Christian in the world wishes they went to a church like that, and none of them do. You know why? Because that's the dream. You know, that's the ideal. Even our description here doesn't tell the whole story. It was a honeymoon phase. That church, um, you should know, went on to have deeper, more significant problems than our church has ever even come close to. This picture we have here in Acts, it's the ideal. And today we're going to look at this passage and we're going to take a look at a couple others to learn some principles for getting us closer to that ideal. We're going to look at some principles about how we can have spiritual friendships that are deeper, more meaningful, filled with more life. And when we step into these deeper spiritual friendships, we're going to get closer to that ideal picture of Christian community. All right. So the first principle for having deep spiritual friendships is to, contrib- is to contribute to an atmosphere of love and forgiveness. Contribute to an atmosphere of love and forgiveness. It was my senior year of high school. I'll never forget it. I uh, was tasked with, the, with carrying something into the library to hand it to the librarian. And so I went in there and handed her the package. And as, as I was doing um, that, she said, hey, hey, Ben, you know, take a look over that table over there. And uh, over there was this fellow um, sitting down by himself, eating his lunch. And she said, he eats his lunch in here every day because he, he doesn't have any friends. He has a tough time making friends. Um, maybe you could go talk to him or something. 
And so, you know, I, I grabbed my lunch and I went over into the library and sat down and ate my lunch with him. And I started asking him about his day and, and about himself and I could not believe it. Every single thing he had to say was a complaint. Every sentence. Who's your favorite teacher right now? Uh, oh, I, I hate all my teachers. I, I, I hate school. I, I don't, I don't, I, they're, all, they're all horrible. Um, so so uh, are you going to go to the football game tonight? No, oh, I hate the atmosphere of those games, all those preps. On and on he would go. It didn't matter what I asked him about. It was a complaint. You know, honestly, I was really a little bit taken aback by it. I had never yet experienced in my life this much criticism and complaining like in one person before. I wonder why you couldn't make any friends. (laughs) You see, when when you're a critical and complaining person, you're not a safe person to be around. You know, you're, you're always throwing these attacks around, and, and your friend, even if you're not like throwing them at your friends, your friends know it's just a matter of time before I'm going to get hit by one of your attacks that, and your criticisms that you're just kind of lobbing left and right. And so they steer clear. So we, we need an atmosphere of love and forgiveness then in order to be, feel more comfortable to share life more freely, to share with one another. Colossians 3 says this, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. You see, this atmosphere of love and forgiveness, it binds us together in harmony. It is the the glue to all these building blocks that we're going to use to build this ideal picture of Christian community. Without that glue, it just falls apart. Now, now, if you come to church here, and I, I really hope this is the case, if you, if you come to church here, that you have felt this, we, we have, I think we, we strive to have, I think we have, an atmosphere of love and forgiveness around here. But it doesn't stay that way by default. You know? By, by default, we go back to crabby and complaining. You know, that's, that's all of us, right? You know? But it's because we're broken people, and that, that's just where we go. But if we want to keep this love and forgiveness atmosphere, we all need, we all need to contribute to it because we know which direction it's going to go by default. And if we can do that, this is going to be a safe place for people to share where they're struggling. It's going to be a safe place for people to grow together. All right, let's take a look at our next principle. The second principle to developing deeper spiritual friendships is to share life, is to share life. In Acts 2, look at all the things they did. They had meals together. They shared their money. They prayed together. They made, met up every day. They shared their faith together. They shared joys and sorrows. And we, we may not be able to spend every day with each other like they did, but we can still share life. You see, when you share life, you pick up on things. You, you see you know, where, where someone else is struggling. You happen to notice, oh, you don't look so hot today. Everything Okay. You, 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 see, uh, you see where someone else is strong and where you are weak. And you say, oh man, I want to be like that. And you start to grow. When we share life, we see how people, you know, respond to difficulty in their lives. And they rub off on us in good ways. We grow through these experiences. 
Have you ever been at work and uh, they're, they're training you on something new and they say, all right, so this is, you know, they're talking to you and they say, so this is what you do. You do this, 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 and this. All right, go do it. And, and if they do that, it's like this big jumbled mess because you've never done this for, you know, you've never done this before. And if they were to just say, all right, you know, come on over here. Let's just do it together. I'll, sh- I'll show you how to do it. We just do it together. And if you just do it together with them, you learn so much quicker. Isn't that how it works? Well, it's the same way with the Christian life. When you're sharing life, you get to see how someone else does this, how somebody else does the Christian life by just doing it with them. When you're out driving together and your friend gets a fender bender, you get get to see firsthand how they deal with frustration as a Christian. It rubs off on you, hopefully in a good way. (laughs) You can't get these things if you're not involved in other people's lives. The third principle for deepening your spiritual friendships is to be honest about your imperfections. Be honest about your imperfections. The Bible tells us that we should confess our sins to each other, and and some of you may be thinking, you know, that's a Catholic thing. You know, we don't do that. Um, No, no, that's that's in the Bible. Um, That's that's there. You know, and we and just because it's a Catholic thing doesn't mean we we have to, you know, confess exactly the way Catholics do. We we can still obey this command. You know, no one's ever going to force you to confess your sins around here. We want you to know that. But if you've never shared a weak moment from your life, or you're just struggling, just share, share that with a Christian friend, you are missing out on maturity, on spiritual growth. You are missing out on like some life-giving moments. The Apostle Paul, who wrote several books in our New Testament, one of the distinguishing characteristics of his letters is that he's often sharing about his weaknesses. Go through and read some of the stuff he says and see what, see what he says. Even in front of the whole church. These are letters that were read in front of the whole church. In 2 Corinthians, he says this, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the experiences, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great, great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. He tells them that he despaired of life. He thought about giving up. It's not we were under great pressure and, and, we, and we stood firm. No, it is we despaired of life. You see, Paul isn't ashamed to share about the weak points in his life because he knows that weakness is a pathway to spiritual growth. He often is talking about his struggles. He's talking about where he's perplexed, he's confused, where he feels weak, he feels inadequate, his discouragements. He talks about these things. And you know what's so great about this? When, when we get to read them, we don't feel so silly when we feel discouraged or when we feel confused. We get to see how he responded to them. And we get to see that God met him in those moments. And we get to believe that God can maybe meet us in the midst of our discouragement. And it changes us. We grow through these things. Be honest about your imperfections. And if you do, it will help you to grow. And and it will help other people, your friends, to grow too. Without transparency, our relationships remain only skin deep. The fourth principle, if you want to create depth to your spiritual relationships, is to talk about where you are growing spiritually. Talk about where you are growing spiritually. 
You don't want to have just generic friendships, do you? You, you want to have the, at least you want to have a few relationships, friendships that connect on that spiritual level. And if God is an important part of your life, you want, to be, you, you want that. You want to be growing with some friends. You want some friends who understand like, what's important to you and, and your goals and, and, and who you want to be in your life. What does it take to move you know, kind of a normal friendship to the level of a spiritual friendship? It's very simple. You just need to talk about spiritual things. You know, share where you're growing. When I think about the friends over the course of my life who have really shaped me as a Christian, you know, big figures in the course of my life who, who have influenced me in so many ways, in so many wonderful ways, just soulmates, you know? Those friends, those were the, those were the ones who I had lengthy spiritual conversations with talking about where we're growing in our faith, talking about you know, uh, uh, verses we found or, or a sermon we heard and, and it just struck us and we just talk about our book we read. You know, we, we're just talking about our faith. It was wonderful. Deep, wonderful conversations. You, you just can't connect on that level if you're not talking about spiritual things. And don't ask your friend to share first. You share, you know? Tell them something you're working on in, in, your, in, your relation, in your walk with God. Tell them, you know, this is, this, tell, this is my spiritual goal. This is how I'm doing with it. And you got any suggestions? And you will find, if you talk about these things, you will find that friendship now is going a lot deeper. Our fifth principle for having deep spiritual friendships is that you need to, you need to embrace this truth. You need to embrace the truth that you were made for relationships. You were made for relationships. You were designed and created by God with relationships in mind. First off, you were designed for a relationship with God. You were designed for that. And then you were designed to have relationships with other people. You were designed to exist and operate and like, and like live within Christian community. You, you weren't designed to go through life alone. You were designed to go through life with friends. It works much better that way, doesn't it? You were made for Christian community. And this is why that ideal, that Acts 2 vision that we all wish we could be a part of, that's why it appeals to us. It's because we were made for this. God has planted that desire in our heart. It's, we, were, we were designed with Christian community in mind. So embrace it. You know, 3,000 people came to Christ on the first day of the church. Wow. What do you do when 3,000 people get added to your church of 120 people? What, what do you do with all these people? How do you find a building to fit all these 3,000 people? What, how are you going to teach and train and like connect with all these people? You know what they did? They put them in small groups. Take a look at verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day. So they've got their large group meeting. The temple courts were, were these huge courts. The only place you know, around where you could kind of even get close to fitting that many people. So they got their large group meeting. They worshiped at the temple each day. And then they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They had their large group meeting in the temple courts and then small groups meeting in homes all over the city. And so you know what we do as a church? We've got our large group meeting here on Sunday morning, and then we've got small groups meeting at homes 
throughout their neighborhoods. It's biblical. It's in the Bible. So every semester, we roll out this groups and classes directory that's in your bulletin, and it's our sincere hope and desire that we would be a church of the large and small. Large group gathering on Sunday morning, connect group gathering in homes in our neighborhoods throughout the week. And a big reason why we do this is because you don't grow very well on your own. Some people think they can be Christians on their own. They say, you know, they haven't, they haven't yet embraced the truth that God made them for relationships. And so they say things like, you know, I, I don't need to uh, go to church to be a Christian. I don't, I don't need, you know, other Christians in my life to be a Christian. Um, I pray every day. I, I can do this on my own. It's true. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't need other Christians in your life to be a Christian. But here's the thing. You're going to be a lousy Christian. (laughs) You are not going to grow very well at all without Christians involved in your life. How are you going to learn to love other people when there's not other people in your life who you're connecting with and loving with and loving on and like dealing with the frustrations? How are you going to learn that without other people in your life? And because you need other Christians involved in your life to grow well to thrive as a Christian because you need them in your life, you need to get involved in a connect group. Now, you may be thinking, but I can connect with people spiritually on Sunday morning. You see those first five principles in your outline? You cannot do all these things on Sunday morning. And you need to be doing these things to take your, your, your spiritual relationships a bit deeper, a little bit more deeper than the high and by of Sunday morning. You know, you know, you can probably contribute to an atmosphere of love and forgiveness on Sunday morning. Not, not, not in a very deep way, mind you, but you could probably do that on Sunday morning. You know, sharing life, you can probably talk with someone else about your life on Sunday morning. Again, you know, not... not you don't have, you don't have time forever to talk about it. You know, people kind of come and go on Sunday morning. But you, you can't go shopping with somebody. You can't go fishing. You can't watch the game together. How about this? How about this? Can you do this on Sunday morning? Uh, let's, let's have somebody share where they're just really struggling. You know, is anybody willing to share? Ben, would you, would you be willing to share where you're, where you're just really struggling? Oh, Ben's willing. Ben's willing. <laughs> No, no, I'm not going to have you share. Because you know what? That would feel awkward, wouldn't it? Let's get somebody else. Let's get somebody else. Uh, Willing to share? You're hoping I don't point to you, aren't you? Right? (laughs) So people are pointing at other people. You know, so, so it doesn't really work to do that on Sunday morning, does it? That doesn't work. Can't do that. Can't eat, eat, can't break bread. Can't share a meal on Sunday morning, can you? You can, you, well, you can go out to eat afterwards. But you know what? If you go out to eat afterwards, you know what you've just done? You just created a small group. It's a one-time small group, but you, you just created a small group. You see, you see, <laughs> you need small groups to live out these biblical principles for deeper spiritual relationships. 
We need something more than, hi, wow, the weather is changing on us in Ohio. (laughs) Now, Now, some of you are saying, I'm convinced this is important, but I'm kind of afraid of what it's going to be like. And this is where kind of Adele's word comes in. She was talking about barriers. And inside of your mind, there are these barriers that start to get put up. And one of them is fear of what this is going to be like. I'm, so I'm going to show, you, you're, it's, it's natural to feel a little afraid about going into a new environment, what that's going to be like. It's understandable. So I'm just going to tell you what it's going to be like. You're going to park, you're going to go inside, and you're going to meet a bunch of people who you don't really know. Actually, you know, if you've been around here a little bit and kind of met some people, you'll probably run into someone who you have met on Sunday mornings, and you can sit next to them. And, you know, be, you won't be, be there alone. And so people will kind of chat for a little bit. The leader will uh, open up with uh, a word of prayer, and he'll probably have, you know, some sort of icebreaker, you know, hey, everybody share their name and where you're from, uh, or, or someplace you lived. And, uh, and so you'll go, everybody will go around the group and share. Um, there'll be a time of worship, depending on the group, you know, there might be some worship, and uh, nobody's going to say, hey, that guy wasn't singing. Um, you know, they're not going to do that sort of thing. It, you don't have to sing if you don't want to. Um, you know, the, there's going to be a Bible discussion. They're going to open up the Bible, and they're going to read the passage and say, hey, what do you guys think of this? What do you think this means? And you can share as much or as little as you want. And then they're going to say, does anybody have any prayer requests they want to share? And then they, then you, you know, if you feel led to share a prayer request, then you share. If you don't want to, you don't, you don't share. And, and then they close in prayer. They eat some snacks, chat, and then you go home. It's very simple. And, you know, the, the order may be different depending on the group you go to, but that's essentially what our connect groups are like. Now, you may be saying, I still feel a little afraid. Here's the thing. Anything worth doing in life, anything worth doing, the first time you do it, you're going to feel a little afraid. Force yourself to go twice, just twice, and you're going to start to feel a lot more at ease. Going to a connect group is going to be such a good thing for your life. You do not realize how many good things come into your life, come benefits that you get when you are part of a connect group. You get encouragement. Have you ever wanted more encouragement in your life? You just feel down on life and you kind of, you would like to be feeling better about life? Well, you get encouragement when you go to a, a connect group. It's an environment where you feel comfortable sharing your struggles. And, and, you, and you know, when you, when, so when you share a struggle in a small group, they don't just say, oh, I can't, believe you, you, I can't believe you are struggling with that. Get your act together. They don't do that. Everybody just says, oh, man, that's rough. And they encourage you. They tell you, oh, we think you're doing great. You know, they, they, this, you're, you're doing awesome. Keep up the good work. Just keep, keep at it. God is with you. They're going to be cheerleaders for you when you're going through difficulty. And you get to have fun. It's a casual environment. You know, I still remember when our Connect group went down to uh, Jay Gumbo's down in Baltimore, and we just kind of went there and hung out and ate some good Cajun food, and it was just a wonderful evening. It was fun. It was casual. You know, and, and other Connect groups do activities. They, like, do, like, full-blown activities together. You miss out on these things when you are not involved in a Connect group. You know, and you will feel like you belong here. If you want to feel like you belong in our church, you, you, you need to go to a connect group because you go to a connect group, you meet some people, you, you develop deeper relationships, and then when you come on Sunday morning, you see them and you say, hi, you know, I remember we prayed for you at connect group for this. How's that going? 
And, and you just feel like this place is my home. I know people here. It's not just high and by. You'll understand the Bible better in, in a connect group. Did you know that? You understand the Bible better? Have you ever been listening to a sermon and you, and you wanted to ask a question? It's like, wait, I don't, I don't understand what, what, that, what, what that means. You can't ask a question. But in a connect group, you can ask a question. You can ask as many questions as you want. And, and, and it's an enriching thing because somebody else probably has that same question. You get to discuss it. If you feel like you have a dry life, this is why. You need to have relationships in your life. Relationships produce excitement in your life. When someone has a baby, the entire group just like celebrates with them. When someone has an answer to prayer, they've been praying for something, praying for something, praying for something, then God answers and you guys just celebrate that as a group. Wow, God came through. When someone has a crisis, the group bonds together to help that person through that crisis. Oh man, if you feel like you have a dry life, this is why. You need more relationships in your life and it will be better for you if they are spiritually focused relationships. And you, and you will grow more and you will be more satisfied with this, this experience if they are deeper relationships. Because you're going to a connect group and not just saying hi and bye on Sunday morning. Now some of you may be thinking, I'm just too busy to be involved in a connect group. I was reading my Bible this week and I ran into this passage that I think is so relevant for those of us who feel we are too busy. It's in Ecclesiastes and Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon. And for those of you who don't know, King Solomon was, I mean, essentially, he was, he was one of the most accomplished people in all of history. Incredible accomplishments. You know, adjusted for his inflation, his wealth was, is estimated at like $2.1 trillion. He received 25 tons of gold every year from various provinces um, around the world. He, he, he completed mammoth, legendary projects that people were like, whoa. You couldn't, you, you know, they describe it, and we, we don't get to see what it's like, but they describe it, and it was just beautiful. The, the temple was this huge building just covered in gold and expensive jewels, he, com- he completed these beautiful gardens, parks, vacation homes. He managed trade all over the then known world. He was an accomplished guy. But in Ecclesiastes, he says, and this is a quote, I had everything a man could desire, but as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was meaningless, like chasing the wind. And hear this, there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. All those accomplishments, nothing really worthwhile anywhere. And if you follow the line of reasoning of Ecclesiastes as he goes through the book, there becomes this time where where there's this shift where Solomon starts to understand that life is like a breath. It's meaningless. But even breath-like, meaningless moments Even these meaningless parts of life are a gift from God. And if he can enjoy them rather than searching for meaning in these things he's striving after, these these things that he doesn't have, if he can just enjoy the present, the stuff he has, then he can truly enjoy life the way God intended it. Whatever you are busy with, it is not a need. 
It is not a must. It is tied to a desire for something. It may be tied to a desire for a a certain standard of living. Whatever you are busy with, it is linked to a desire you have for something. Solomon was known as the wisest person to have ever lived. And he says that you will do better if you just let yourself eat and drink with some friends. That's what he says. Enjoy it. Just enjoy life. And enjoy your work too, by the way. Enjoy your work. Enjoy these things as gifts from God. Don't go chasing after that desire for that thing you don't have, being so busy that as he says, your life is filled with pain and grief and at night your mind cannot rest because he's gone ahead of you. Solomon traveled all over the world. He said, I set out to observe everything I could. I wanted to see it all. He's gone ahead of you. He's tried it all. And he's gotten to the end of whatever it is that you're desiring. And he can tell you, and he does tell you, it's meaningless, like chasing the wind. So why don't you stop chasing the wind and start enjoying it with God in the picture and with other people in the picture? So if you're ready to start enjoying life, if you're ready to start growing spiritually through deeper relationships, then let's do this. Open up that bulletin. Pull that, pull that connect group directory out. Here it is. Pull that out. And uh, this is the directory of all of our groups that exist for the purposes of what we talked about today so that you can have deeper spiritual friendships. And we're going to go through these. And as we're doing that, as we're going through these, I want you to be asking yourself, which one am I going to go to? Which of these groups am I going to go to? I want you to be asking yourself this. I'm actually going to invite some leaders to come forward to represent each of these groups. I'm going to provide a little bit of an introduction. We're going to pray over them, and then I'm going to send them out of the auditorium into the hallways. And after the, after the service this morning, I want you, when you've decided which one, I want you to say, okay, that's the one, and I want you to go talk to the leader of that connect group, okay? That's what we're going to do.